To all the wanderers, wanderers, free thinkers, and throwaway kids, welcome to the dumpster fire. Let's Let's get get dumpster dumpster diving. We are live. We are live. Interesting day today. Justin, how's your day going? It's a spicy day. It's been a fun day. It's been great. It's been really good. We do have a guest with us again today. I will introduce them shortly. Ella, how's your day going? It is going pretty well. Uh, great day so far. It's going to get better, right? Right, because uh, what are we sipping on? All right, this is a cool one. I think this is the culmination of me rewiring my neural pathways. I tried two flavored whiskeys in a row. The first one I responded to because it was 84 proof. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I've said before I don't do 40 proof whiskeys. Uh, apparently I lied because the goddess Catalina brought some Tupelo honey whiskey that was excellent. So today, this one really spoke to me. Uh, it's actually blowing up right now. It's getting really popular. It's Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. Now, when I first tried this, I thought, oh, it's corny, generic, whatever, you know, the, the flavored whiskey just a trend. Fad. Just a fad that's blowing up. Uh, I looked it up a little bit, and it's actually made by Stephen Ying and Brittany Ying uh, out of California. So it's a whiskey out of California. That was kind of weird to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, just... There's a wording on the bottle that just suits this podcast so well. It says, to the misfits, black sheep, and screwballs. That is just beautiful. If that's not the definition of a throwaway kid, I don't know what is. Perfect, perfect. And uh, he's actually a chef. So this is 70 proof. It's decently strong. Uh, Made by a chef. This episode is going to be a little more about food. The last episode was a little about food. Do you want to know more about that whiskey? I would love to know more about that whiskey. What do you have? So, um... The couple that came up with it are actually refugees, uh-huh. and when they first came to America, that was the first time that he had had peanut butter. Yes. So oh, he associated wow. America with peanut butter, and he's like, this is something that's so amazing, and I've never had it before, so how do I <clears throat> share it and give back? So there's actually a portion of the proceeds from Screwball that actually go to um, really, really great outreach programs and whatnot. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, he also... The best-selling uh, cocktail in their restaurant was a peanut butter Peanut butter shop. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's why he's just like, hey, let's make a whiskey. He also oh, mixed like peanut it. butter in with his hot wings. I read that early on. Oh. So, yeah, he's a big fan of peanut butter, and now this is the American dream, guys. So, bourbon, here we go. Our guest tonight is none other than the goddess Catalina. Hail, Hail Catalina! Catalina. So let's see what Screwball does for us. That is very peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Very peanut butter does not taste seventy proof. I think I that's. have more nuts. <laughs> it's made it's with real nuts. nuts. Spicy, <laughs> spicy nuts. <laughs> spicy nuts. Random peanut butter. Not really fact, because um, it's not a fact about peanut butter. But um, growing up, my family would make peanut butter icing on things like brownies, um, which is basically the, uh, like the Mississippi. Uh, sheet cake the chocolate sheet cake no that's like an inch or two inches tall and then it has like this amazing like peanut butter chocolate icing on top that's as thick as the cake whatever you're speaking of is just black magic to us yes it's amazing so we would my family would make brownies and have peanut butter icing one of my foster youth i wanted to try to kind of engage with her so i thought well she kind of showed an interest in culinary let's bake brownies you know it was just from a box nothing special but i wanted to kind of give that a little touch so we did the peanut butter icing uh she is actually a uh youth that's in this country she wasn't born in this country 
So again, had not really had a lot of peanut butter, and Another I made OG. that peanut butter icing for her, and she was just like, this is a thing. Like, I mean, she loved it. She was like eating it out of the bowl. I was like, we have to put that on the brownies. Like, stop. It was yeah. adorable. So peanut butter is a big thing here. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a well, big I mean, selling point. You know, there's, there's such a sliding scale of peanut butter, too. Mm-hmm. Like... You have Peter Pan, you have Jeff, and then you have like the all natural peanut butter. Where oh, it's yes, just like yes. It's going to take us a hundred years to stir this, mm-hmm. but oh my gosh, it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. So. I was raised by a, di- a diabetic, so there's always saltless peanut butter in my house. Saltless? Oh. Yeah, it tastes <laughs> yeah. like powder with a little oil on top. I've, I've had that. There's I've had a that. joke in there somewhere <laughs> that I'm not going to touch. So I think that really segues us right into what we wanted to cover in this one. And that's. You know, we've done a talk about uh, food, and we were going to get a little more in depth than that, and we really got off kind of onto a tangent because you know we're all having a we great actually spoke a lot about literature and stuff and yeah, and things. yeah, a lot about that. So I wanted to kind of kind of tie that back in a little bit more to uh, just where we're at now, and you have these refugees who are coming here and really experiencing a different life than what they live in a lot of their places because they don't have the access to simple things we think about. And one of the big ones is access to food. So we we live right now in a society that is so used to having everything at its fingertips. And food is that way. You know, we were joking earlier. You ask a girl where she wants to go out to eat, and she knows where she wants to go out to eat, but you need to figure that out. Well, look at the options. There's so many options, and it also really doesn't help that um, everything is very instantaneous Instant, in our culture yeah. as well like i mean you can amazon prime just about anything you don't really have to go to the store nowadays and even if you do when you mm-hmm. think about it whatever you need is going to be at the store without a doubt Prepackaged mm-hmm. wasn't a cake mix that was too simple oh yes this yeah. is this is my favorite uh betty crocker uh fact so originally i believe it was in the 30s when cake boxed cake mixes came out which you have to think, we were living in a society where the man made all the money, mm-hmm. the woman stayed home, had the kids, and was Susie Housekeeper. So they came out with boxed cake mixes, and no one was buying them. Yeah. They couldn't figure out what it was. Well, the housewives bought it, and it was too easy. They, the only ingredients that you added were water and oil. So because they felt like they weren't putting enough work in, they did not deserve to use this quick method. What? So what uh, they ended up doing was they added in the instructions that uh, you can add either one or two eggs. And by cracking that egg, it made the housewives feel like they had done work. No way. And it started flying off the shelves. Wow. Very, very interesting. Then that was obviously done by a, a large corporation that had figured some stuff out on how to psychologically program people to eat. Mm-hmm. Now, this ties all the way back into a book uh, that I just discussed with Justin. I actually gave him a copy of it. It's Metabolical by Dr. Lustig. Uh, that's That kind of goes into, he saw this coming. He's like, there's a, there's a lot of psychology going on in food. And really, food is such a huge industry now that we, we just live in a different time. And I think it's good to take a step back and look at what we have and I think, you know, I've always been a preparedness person. So I, I always thought, you know, what would happen if uh, we didn't have these options? And we got kind of close to that with COVID. Things really started shutting down. 
things started changing and uh, now we're still having trouble with getting places staffed so it, it's an interesting time and I think it's a good time to uh, to change those neural pathways to think a little different about this so. everything breaks down from food at the end of the day yes it does yes it does um, just the fact of if you don't know when you're getting your next meal um, that relates to learning in school. So we have kids that have a very unstable home life mm -hmm. that aren't getting lunches or they are getting school lunches. So they're fine during lunch and directly before in those classes. But after those classes, when their mind moves to their next meal, which is going to be at home, well, I don't know if mom's going to be home. I don't know if we're going to have enough food. If we don't have enough food, when's the next time I'm going mm -hmm. to eat? I actually uh, worked with uh, some kids, uh, it was an after-school program um, in Louisville, and we worked in the quote-unquote ghetto, and uh, all I was doing was uh, working with the uh, fifth and sixth graders, helping them do homework, mm -hmm. essentially after school, and giving them something to do after school. And one of them admitted to me, he was 11, he had joined a game, and I asked him why, he's like, they offered to feed me. Yeah, Aww. literally. He mm -hmm. had no food at home. He was mm -hmm. like, I never know what I'm going to eat. They can feed me every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I was like, I will feed you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I took that kid yes. out to eat every time I had it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was so crazy. Uh, it completely changed my thinking of his life and mm -hmm. like, his future. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, this kid's never had a shot. Like, mm -hmm. he literally can be lured into a gang. And asked to do violent things at 11 years old just because he doesn't know where his next meal is mm -hmm. exactly. that plays right into desperate people and take desperate actions. Mm -hmm. And if you perceive that that is your <coughs> only course of action as well, yeah. mm -hmm. you think, oh, it hey, I don't survival. have an alternative. Yeah. yeah. So bouncing back to the disposable society complex that we have right now, so not only can we get everything whenever we want it, but if something breaks, our immediate response is, oh, I'm just going to go buy a new one. It's very, very seldom that people will actually take the time to work on their equipment. Mm -hmm. And something we know we saw during COVID is there was a new model came out in the late 80s and early 90s in business where they didn't backstock things. It yeah. was it, the new order was arriving as you were selling out. It was uh, everything was calculated to the most finite detail so that when you sold out of something that's when you were getting more right uh, so that was it was a it's based on perfect timing well when that timing is disrupted you yep. see what happens no one can get toilet paper mm -hmm. there are uh, exactly. it's, uh, that toilet paper debacle was just ridiculous well that's it's way worse than that there are 2021 vehicles sitting right now yeah, uh, there was actually a shortage of yeah. i believe they're nand chips i don't know which chips they are but it's the all of these use a multitude of chips that are printed in Ford their computers. Ford mm -hmm. is still shut down. I actually was told by a, a woman I know who sells cars that she's selling used trucks higher than a new one would cost, mm -hmm. yeah. which is baffling to me. So that's we're still dealing with the ripples of that. And uh, you know, I came from uh, like I said, I've I've been dual class. I've I've came from uh, the the time of feast and the time of famine in my own home. So I've been able to see this. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. You know, I remember a time when. Uh, to get fast food was an impossibility. It's yeah. like you, Justin had mentioned uh, McDonald's. He thought that was for rich people. Well, it was literally not well, an option for I us. I completely mm -hmm. agree with that. So where um, I grew up and lived, fast food is not close by. Yeah. It was literally 20, 25 mm -hmm. minutes away. So it's like, well, for the time it takes to 
drive there, get food, pay for that food, and come back, it, it's yeah. not logical. No. It mm-hmm. doesn't it fit no what our family structure was. Our family structure was, okay, well, dad works on the farm when he comes home. We have dinner. We have dinner because mom is at home. Yeah. And we had that consistency and that schedule. And that's why fast food just was not a part of our lives. Yeah. And that's also part of where you get the traditional household that traditional safety and comfort like I didn't really think oh my gosh when's my next meal going to be right I didn't think anything other than you know set a goal and achieve that goal and just keep going and keep building but kids nowadays like um you were saying Justin if they're worried about that next meal if they'd Mm -hmm. rather join that gang because that's the only consistency they have in their life then are they really going to move forward are they really going to be thinking about college yeah Mm -hmm. they're not even thinking about elementary school we have so many youth um not just specifically in the foster care system but so many youth in general that adhd is so misdiagnosed trauma is misdiagnosed as adhd they're wanting to put these kids on ADHD medicine, and it's trauma can mimic ADHD symptoms, but the thing that it is is it's not that this child cannot sit and concentrate, but at the end of the day, they literally don't care about the math problem in front of them because they're wondering, is dad going to be drunk when I get home? Mm-hmm. Am I going to have that meal tonight? Yeah. Is mom going to you know, get beat up tonight? Yes. And it comes, yeah. it lo- it mimics, or it looks like ADHD, and that's not the case. And so, you know, that stability can really affect so much of their life because you think they're then labeled the bad kid, and then they don't do well in school because the next teacher that gets them. I'm not saying teachers are evil, but, you know, they talk. So you know if, right. if you get the bad kid the next year. So you're already going into that situation that next year at a disadvantage. So, yeah, it, it's little things like having a meal at night that you know is going to be there can impact your life in so many ways yeah just having that consistency some of my favorite memories is the family sitting around the table Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and uh i can't imagine what my life would be like now without that consistency um that's probably one of the most consistent memories i have from my childhood is family meals Mm -hmm. i have a very good memory tied to fast food so growing up my dad was sick a lot and we did kind of have a lot of chaos so it was um, like if, you know, you got off the school bus, um, it was very likely that mom would not be there or, you know, grandma would be there. Mom would take us to an aunt's house or grandma's house because dad's sick in the hospital. She's got to go to the hospital, take time off work. One of my dad's more extended stays, it must've been an actual transplant probably at that time. Mom had come to school and picked me and my sister up. So in elementary school, you had lunch and then immediately had recess. Mm -hmm. So there was a good hour that we could miss, you know, for that we weren't going to actually miss any class time. Mom picked us up, took us to rallies uh, in Seymour, and then took us to a park to eat because she hadn't got to spend time with us. And, you know, we missed her. She missed us and just updated us on dad and stuff. And I can remember, I think, two or three times dad having extended hospital stays and mom would pick us up it would be a surprise you know we'd go to lunch um we'd get the rallies go to the park so i've got a very positive childhood memory associated with rallies um just because i would get to see my mom after that extended absence and like it was you know special because we got to go have the special food and not school food and got to see mom so your parents managed to take that ritual of family meals and extend it into what would be normally not a very non uh, intimate you know, you're, you're getting the food from the store that gives us the food, and mm-hmm. you take that and go. Well, that's like so many things nowadays, even at the store, that are 
pre-made, like the brownies and whatnot. So I'm kind of silly sometimes. And I like to think that Ethel, the little old lady that works in the bakery department, <laughs> bakes all the cupcakes mm-hmm. and makes all the cakes and makes all the brownies. And then I had someone that's like, oh, no, honey. <laughs> like, that gets busted in from somewhere. Aww. It's full of preservatives. I'm like, no, 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 no. I but saw Ethel, Ethel this morning. But she Ethel. said this was fresh. She cooked it with love from her heart. Ethel doesn't like, lie. Uh, Ethel. I don't know how that works. Aunt B's. Aunt is not real. Exactly. But it's like if, I mean, not to call myself an intelligent person, but if intelligent people look at that situation, look at that personal correlation with the person behind the counter, and they're like, oh, that person made it then it shifts that mindset to, oh, this is not pre-made food. This is not manufactured food. This is home-cooked because Mm -hmm. I associate that person with the food. Mm -hmm. So it means it's okay for me to buy these brownies that have been sitting in a warehouse for six months. There's such an intimacy to cooking if you think about it. And we've got a friend that's a chef, and I don't really say too much because it's his story. I want him to be able to tell it. But he it really kind of hit him you know when he said i i really i cook for people i give them nourishment you know and i was like that's a big deal and when you think like we referenced um the couple of books like panda cake and thunder cake Mm -hmm. like that is taking a fear and and this this nurturing role of let's make this together you know you think about all those um stereotypical like childhood you know um situations like the sitcoms this and that where they're in the kitchen mom's cooking grandma's cooking there's such an intimacy to cooking into food like you're really i think you can really show someone how much you care with preparing their food i completely agree with that because pretty much every single one of my really good friends will say that my love language is cooking food i'm Mm -hmm. not the best chef i'm a decent person at a couple things Uh but i remember in college i was um living with some uh, a family member and I took my two friends that were living at the dorm and brought them to the house that I was staying at and I had made an actual home-cooked meal if I remember right Gretchen will will correct me on it for sure (laughs) it was either lasagna or it was chicken parmesan I forget which it was but I had like cleaned off the table set the table had salad had fruit had everything and they like showed up and like almost cried because they're like they missed home so much mm-hmm. and they missed and after I talked to them like I realized they did not even have a very solid family memory of sitting down mm-hmm. at the table yeah. like my friend's mom worked in fast food and whatnot and there was all this instability yeah. and I'm like this is something that brought me joy to give to you and I wanted to share it with you and then we had that memory of you know laughing and talking while we ate mm-hmm. and to this day like that is still my go-to like i'm like oh you're having a baby or something yeah. i'll bring you some lasagna right bring you some lasagna. i love to cook as well i've worked for a long time in the food industry i, I don't enjoy cooking in the food industry it's a much <laughs> different thing than cooking at home. but uh, after living for almost a decade with uh, three uh, culinary students and then uh, all three of them became chefs and uh, I didn't know that I had learned to cook in that because uh-huh. uh, they always did all the cooking right, but right. we watched mm-hmm. you absorbed work yeah. and I absorbed all their cooking Yeah. Um, so I absorbed all this knowledge so when I moved back to this area it was to take care of my mother uh, she'd fallen ill and needed some financial help so I did what you do and moved in with her and took over bills and I st- my mom always hated cooking uh, she did it out of necessity, but mm-hmm. it was not done with love. Mm-hmm. She, she right. did not enjoy it. Necessity. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was purely necessity. 
And I realized I truly did love to cook. Mm-hmm. I started cooking all of our meals. And mm-hmm. then my sister uh, ended up going through a divorce, and my brother ended up going through a divorce. So uh, they all moved back home. Mm-hmm. And then I like had people to cook for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It was right. so odd because I had never yeah. been the cook in the family. Uh, once they found out, I was in charge of cooking Thanksgiving dinner and yeah. Christmas dinner. Uh, so, yeah, I tend to hide on those days. But. <laughs> well, <laughs> those, those are the hard days. Just even saying that, I know we would host like a Friendsgiving, and I just enjoyed it. One of the things I enjoy is I just take my time when cooking like Thanksgiving. I never rush. I, I hate when... And I get it, you know, there's split families, people divorce. I, I can appreciate that, but I just hate when it's like, oh, we need to get dinner done by two so we can feed this kid to send them to their dinner at yeah. their, you know, their dad's. I think people stress <clears throat> themselves out too much for the holidays. Yeah. Um, yes. I, to me, if you can't relax during the holidays, there's nothing to point. There's I just, I drink wine and I cook. I mean, exactly. I love it. It's the experience of uh, cooking. We do non-traditional, especially since mom's passed, because none of us feel really Christmassy or Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, last year, I think uh, we did, me, uh, I made a, a lasagna, and my sister made a completely different lasagna, and my brother made a completely different lasagna. So we had three types of nice. lasagna. Nice. We just got hugely fat on lasagna. Yeah. Absolutely. My family, yeah. yeah, we try to do a traditional meal for one of them. So whether it's Easter, Thanksgiving, or Christmas, we try to do with a traditional like hammer turkey, yeah. you know, all the fixings. And then the other holidays, we typically do like a taco bar or something because we realized we were getting caught up in the stress of getting the meal prepared. And it was like, we just want to play games and we want to drink and we want to have fun. And let's just do a taco bar. Pre-cooking, I've noticed. I'll do everything the night before that Mm -hmm. I possibly can. And I do a lot of crock pot potting. Oh, the instant pot has changed our life. It has changed our life. It's cool. It's very nice. Instapot people look at down from I don't. I'm not looking down. Ivory towers. No. Like, look at this, please. I can't make it. Yeah. We cannot communicate now. It always now. comes out too dry to me, or there's not right seal, or. No, you just got to master it. Once you get it mastered, it's done. So, I, it's kind of interesting. We're talking about this, and I don't. Obviously, I, I'm the guy that will drink egg whites. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, 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 I talked to. I, I, I talked to I don't get hangry. It's. It's a superpower. It's how I've managed to captivate my diet and do the things I want to do. Uh, don't get me wrong. I get cravings. I love food. It's great. But I don't. I, I think I didn't get that intimate bond. But I do remember, you talk about stability and you talk about structure. Uh, I'll never forget this. It was uh, my roommate. I think he was my 2B roommate, John Terra Raymer. And I'm going to give him the biggest shout-out I can possibly give. This guy has been like a saint in my life. Uh, I went with him and watched him talk to his mom once. And the way him and his mom talked, I had never had an adult talk to me like that. It was like they were best friends. And I remember leaving there, and fortunately I was pretty wise at the time, and I was like, man, you guys like, I, you guys act so different, I've never seen that. And he was so confused by that. He's like, yeah, it's my mom, what do you mean? He's used to mm-hmm. seeing a healthy relationship. He was used to seeing a healthy relationship, and then I'll, obviously I was in a school for psych, but I don't know if that helped me so much as just the life experience, but uh yeah, that that was a that was a weird, like stability marker in my life. I'm like, okay, that's how people should act. One well, another. I mean, to be fair, it's not like you come into the world and you're given a guidebook of this is what a healthy marital relationship mm-hmm. looks yeah. like. This is what a healthy, you know, parent to child relationship mm-hmm. looks like. This is a healthy friendship. Yeah. If 
it was, and if we had people who raised more awareness about it, it would bring to light actual issues. So these people that are living with something that they consider normal wouldn't wake up one day and be like, oh my gosh, the same thing that you experienced with your friend. Yeah. Oh, this is how this is supposed mm-hmm. to be? Right. Yeah. See, I think that's like, when I think about me not wanting to have kids, it is 100%. I just, I'm too selfish to have kids. I don't. I don't want to put somebody else before me. Like I very much enjoy my time when I come home from work. It is my time. I don't have to run to you know drop somebody off at practice. If if I'm like, hey Brian, I don't feel like cooking. Dinner's on your own. I can't tell a three year old, hey bud, dinner's on your own. Mom doesn't feel like cooking. Exactly. And exactly, <laughs> raise myself. But it's it's that you know I um I just don't want that I. It's not that I would neglect a child or, you know, like, hate the child. I mean, I think I could love it, you know, and and I just, yeah, I prefer my time, like, myself, my needs. Not have a kid and regret not having a kid than have a kid and be resentful to that child and be like, oh my gosh, this was a terrible mistake. Yes. (laughs) That is a big responsibility. (laughs) It is a big responsibility. It is. And what I've found with parenting. Everyone I know that thinks they're horrible parents are awesome parents, and the yeah. ones that think they're good at it are awful at it. <laughs> if you are a self-proclaimed experience, yeah, if they're parent. like, "I'm the best mom, yeah. boss mom, what up?" No, all over Facebook. What is like, it? You don't even watch your kids. <laughs> your, your kids be like right. into the kiddie pool. It's gonna be a bad time for yeah. everyone. What is it? The uh, I what gave myself the uh, expert parent badge in the yeah. parenting group. Like exactly. you give yourself the badge. Exactly. Come on now. Like, hey. Don't don't do that. It's, Self-proclaimed it's, expert. Exactly, yeah. so. exactly. So um, I have a funny story to piggyback off of that. So I uh, went and got my lifeguarding certification and whatnot, and um, I was in. Florida with one of my friends, uh, day drinking of legal age, yeah. and having the best time, and it was so nice, and it was a smaller-ish pool, but it was like no big deal. Yeah. So there's this dad that comes in with like four or five kids, and like you feel that kind of tingle at the back of your head, and you're like, <laughs> why do I feel like I need to pay attention to this situation? <laughs> exactly. So like I'm pool floating, slow creeping close by, and the kids are taking turns jumping in and jumping in. So mom's got this itty-bitty boy. Like, should have had pool floaties on. Like, they were in the bag to go on the kid. And she turned to get the sunscreen, couldn't find the sunscreen, walked over to the gate to see if she'd left it over there. So this kid comes sprinting across the concrete. Of course. Dad has just caught one of the kids so there's this huge Mm -hmm. splash of water. Well covering that splash of water is this kid who jumps in thinking dad is going to save him Dad did not save him. The goddess Catalina (laughs) saved him. Hail Catalina. Hail Catalina. Um, So I springboard off of my pool floaty into the water, come up with this kid. This kid looks at me, terrified. I look at this kid. Terrified. (laughs) And I look at the dad and I just like shove this kid at him. And the kid like does some deep breathing. I'm like, this is yours. I did not like grab your kid. And he like looked at me, looks over to see where his wife is and goes, thank you so much. (laughs) You saved that guy's marriage. Funny moment with a kid in the Dominican. I went down there and 
2017, 2018. Um, but anyway, uh, one evening I decided to just hit the pool and float around the pool at the uh, resort. And uh, all of a sudden the lifeguard calls everyone out of the pool. Uh, apparently uh, a little uh, four-year-old blonde boy named Thomas, answers to Thomas, in blue swim trunks is missing. And this little kid right next to me with blonde hair and blue <laughs> swim trunks goes, my name's Thomas too. Justin saves a life. Aww. Like, I don't adorable. I mean, I think parents are awesome, and there are definitely good parents in the world, but it's so funny to me how many stories I have of seeing the kid that wanders off mm -hmm. the wrong way and, like, just casually observing and waiting, <laughs> and, oh, how far away is the older brother going to get? Oh, he's realized, he's realized that he lost his little brother. Okay, there's the panic. Yeah. Okay, he's coming back. We're okay. No, 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 mm -hmm. no. He took a right. He took a left. Like, nope, circle back around. <laughs> I, I have a close friend. That she's a water bug as well. She's mm -hmm. a certified scuba instructor and stuff. Oh, so interesting. She, uh, she wanted her child to be a uh, water bug as well, so she started taking him to the Y when he was three for swim lessons. Mm -hmm. Well, he was a little naked butt. He loved to be naked. Mm -hmm. Well, she would always take him into the ladies' locker room. They would strip down and wash yeah. the chlorine off and change. And he's three. Right. Well, she just got her gotten him naked, then got herself naked, and he bolts up. Oh no! Like literally, no. just bolts no. as fast as he can. And it's at the Y. They only give you those little tiny towels that's gonna yes. yes. on something. Yes. And she, I was like, what did you choose? And she's like, I threw it over my fucking head. That is genius. I was like, I would have never thought of that. I want to meet this friend. Uh, she was like, that's why I'm alone. Improvise, <laughs> adapt, <laughs> overcome. That is so true. I've yeah. got another but, memory. Oh. So one of the dads uh, apparently had hung back. Um, the next time they had swim lessons, he's like, "I like your star." She has a big star tattoo on her butt. No way! <laughs> She's like, oh. Well played, sir. I like well it. Uh, I have another me positive memory tied to food, and I think that's what makes my relationship with food so difficult when we decided to do keto, was, you know, it was, I have so many positive memories tied to food, and then having to kind of rethink that food can be your enemy, um, because there are foods out there that are bad, you know, these overly processed foods, these simple mm -hmm. carbohydrates that, you know, are cheap and mass-produced, but they're not good for you in the long run. My body does not do well with them. Um, we were at Holiday World probably about five or six um and again just kind of ties into food and parenting great great memory of my mom there was a roller coaster i was too small to go on so dad and two sisters go on there i'm bawling my eyes out because i am not tall enough to go on this roller coaster and my mom kind of looks at me and goes hey i don't really want to go on this roller coaster will you come will you come on an adventure with me and of course i'm like yep like mom chose me yes. she takes me to this little restaurant i remember having a slice of pizza it could have been the world's worst pizza i mean it was from an amusement park it probably wasn't that good of a pizza it was probably 15 right and right. i remember right. sitting there and my mom just being like thank you so much for coming to eat with me like i really didn't want to go on that roller coaster and like thank you so much for coming and like not going on that roller coaster and eating with me like and oh my gosh i mean i it was the and of course i got undivided mom attention right there i mean it was the yeah. best part of that vacation for which me which is definitely its own reward for sure mm -hmm. so that kind of brings up one of my favorite quotes which is do not reward yourself with food you are not a dog yeah and i'm like how many times do people take their kids oh you got all a's let's yeah. go out for ice cream it's a very common thing i was just sitting here thinking about some of my positive food memories 
Um, I grew up with a birth defect, so every year I had to go to Riley Hospital, and it was all day event. You see six doctors, doctors in one day, mm-hmm. so and most of it's hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. Right? You go out there at six o'clock in the morning, you see a doctor, and then two hours later you see another doctor. Mm-hmm. So you're there for ten or twelve hours, and it was a long, hard day, a stressful day for my mom, a stressful day for me. Mm-hmm. So we always got to eat lunch out. And that was one of the only times. That's when yeah. I figured out that McDonald's was for rich people. Was yes. our trips to Indy to go to Riley, and uh, and I never thought about it. That was like my reward for making it through that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, I've, I've had a very up and down relationship with food because it's always been a reward to me. Yeah, well. reward you. And um, I read somewhere, and it's kind of fascinating. It, if you get goosebumps when you hear certain tones and music. Um, you Easy. Actually, Easy. Yeah, me. Easy. I, 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 I have that, and not everyone has it. Apparently, it's only about twenty-eight percent of the population gets goosebumps when they hear a, a song that they like or whatever. Um, really? That is uh, tapping into uh, your reward system, and uh, those same people get a bigger reward from things like food or opiates. So they have a tendency to be addicted to. Mm. Um, uh, music. They have a tendency to be addicted to yeah. food. The finer things in life. Yes. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you know. Food, music, and heroin. Yeah. Well, <laughs> our, uh, the our, uh, um, One of these is reward system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little more. I actually, uh, there's a music producer I watch who does, uh, he reviews videos and he'll yeah. tell you what you're listening to. This guy's fantastic. He's on YouTube. But he talks about that. He calls it goose skin. Yeah. And uh, that, that's, yeah, that's definitely an interesting thing. It's actually using a, an extra part of the brain that most people don't ever tap into. Really? Um, musicians are odd because they're the only brain that you can lay on a slab and tell it was a musician's brain if you know what they're, you're looking at. That's very And they don't know the cause and effect. They don't know if it's someone's born with this extra piece to their brain or if hmm. uh, it develops from using it. Um, being a musician, so, but you can literally look at a musician's brain and it'll look different than anyone else's. Really? Yeah, Maya. Different than a non-musician. Well, now I want a brain scan because I played the drums. Yeah, and yeah I don't know. You have your yeah. brain's all kinds of lumpy. <laughs> a lumpy brain. I just sing. That's all I do. But I, yeah. Sing us a tune. Sing us a song. 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 You're the piano man. Wow, we both just went there. Sing us a song tonight. Okay, sorry, you did not tune in for karaoke. So, with food and rewards and whatnot, so I saw this absolutely hilarious meme that I sent all my fellow healthcare workers. And uh, it's this person that says, you know, when I was little, I want to get paid in pizza. And someone said that was ridiculous. And then all the hospital administrators started acting really weird because whenever you have issues on your unit, all of a sudden your manager gives you a pizza party. And temporarily, everybody is calm down. Everybody is okay. So I get really nervous working an off shift when I walk into the break room and there's food. Because I'm like, what what is happening? What's going to happen? By one of my friends who's a nurse practitioner. And apparently it is ubiquitous across the board. It's always pizza. And they pay you with pizza. They pay you with pizza. It's it's completely Well, they pay you with money, but they bribe you to stay with pizza. No, no, no. There's a lot of people. I will say this. Papa John sent me into a gallbladder attack. So um, we had monthly, was it monthly or quarterly? I I think it was quarterly. Uh, All staff meetings where like everybody meets in Indianapolis um, from all over the state. And this entire, you know, one unit will meet. 
And they said, oh, we get a deal on Papa John's pizza, so you're not allowed to leave for lunch. You can bring yours. I'm not waking up at 6 a.m. to drive and packing a lunch that I'm going to eat in a conference room. They would order pizza. It was always Papa John's. I got to the point that I would eat and be so sick afterwards that they literally sent me to the hospital with a gallbladder attack. Mm -hmm. Papa John's pizza. And so much of that is the concept of free food. So you have this food availability that's just over the top. And you have it any time you start a new job and there's orientation. They give you breakfast or they give you lunch or something. And you're like, man, I'm going to eat all this food. And it's just like we don't stop and think about is the food healthy for us. Because we're like, oh my gosh, there's free food. Mm-hmm. So I am the exact opposite, Ella. I am the weirdo that always packs my lunch. Like, every job I've ever had, it's just like, oh, here comes Goddess Catalina, and she packed her lunch. What's in your lunch today? But what I find interesting is every unit I've ever started on, when they see that consistency and they see the consistent effects that I get from packing my lunch, all of a sudden... They all do. Start packing nice. It kind of makes it okay for them too. Exactly. It's that socially acceptability to uh, be healthy. I would straight go into debt if I worked at a place with a cafeteria. That's no lie. Like That's what yeah. I, said. I would. I would not even get a paycheck. I would owe them at the end of the two weeks. So this happens at most hospitals. So most hospitals, your ID badge is linked to your payroll, so you can go to the cafeteria, swipe your badge. And it just deducts. Yeah, I would have no money at the end of the pay, so like, pay period. So they, they've done um, different brain scans and studies and whatnot based off of uh, pain and pleasure receptors. So if you pay for something with cash, yeah, it sets it's off more pain. Mm-hmm. That if you pay with a credit card, it sets off pleasure. So you're you're kind of you know feeding whatever you choose to feed. That's why they say you know if you want to budget better and whatnot, pay with cash because it's going to be painful. And I'm like, well, what what on earth? Does your brain think your ID card is mm-hmm. picture of you? Oh yeah, it's your it's your it credit card. It's scanned like yeah. it's you know bananas at the grocery store. It doesn't even get swiped. Like that must not even register in your brain. Mm-hmm. So I would sit down with these nurses and we would go over how much they were spending in the cafeteria, and I'm like, "What are you getting? Oh, I'm getting oatmeal. Oh, I'm getting granola. Oh, I'm getting salads." And I'm like, "You are paying triple." For something that you could just pre-plan mm-hmm. and bring from home. It's that convenience. It's that it's disposable society. When you when you exactly. swipe a card, it's almost like the, you can bankrupt on things. So it's almost like you know I got away with this. Excuse me. I did not have to take the solid hard cash out of my pocket, which is still in a lot of ways representative of gold and silver. You know, real valuable, tangible things. I, I got away with that. I paid with this. I paid with this future debt that I may or may not pay. Well, it's the I sold my soul to the company store. Yeah. You completely understand yes. that everything is owned by the company, and it doesn't matter if you can't pay it back at the end of the day because you are going to be we are mm-hmm. We are a giant company store. Justin and I actually have an entire podcast about uh, some of the very interesting things that have happened throughout history with company stores and full-on battles gun battles with the military involvement that happened on U.S. soil. So, And this this ties back. I, I made this statement a while back. It's on my Facebook. You can probably find it. Uh, we're all addicts. Some of us are just fortunate enough to pick our poison. So, when you think about addiction, mm-hmm. obviously food addiction is a huge Oh, yeah. I'm very addicted to food. So, what I... Yeah, if I go without it, I die. Hashtag dad joke. Go, but I think exactly. I could go a minute. So, um, I think it's interesting to see, especially I've noticed with older uh, females that I've worked with, and it's, you know, okay, 
not only do you have to have your coffee in the morning, but you have to have your afternoon chocolate and whatnot. So there was a day at work where we had these amazing gourmet cupcakes. And what I like to do, and if you want to start a diet and cut calories, I highly recommend this technique. So let everybody eat the food and then give you a review. Because by you asking for that review, people are going to think twice as hard about the food that they're eating. And they're going to give you a realistic response. Mm -hmm. So I'm super picky about my cupcakes. Like, it has to be moist cake. It has to have good quality icing. Don't give me the whipped icing. And there has to be a cake to icing ratio. Buttercream or bust. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not just eating, you know, fluffy trash on top of a dry cake. There's no point. (laughs) So I am very toothy about my sweets. (laughs) I don't have a sweet tooth, though. I have more of, like, a savory tooth. Me too. So all of my coworkers are like, it's it's worth it. It's worth it. Just trust me. It's worth it. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I have this cupcake, normal size cupcake, super clean diet. I spent the next two hours forgetting everything. Could not go room to room and remember what I was supposed to go get. Sugar. I was tripping everywhere. Oh wow. I was in the state of almost delirium. And we were laughing about it because, you know, nothing was really going on on the unit anyways. And they're like, oh, well, no wonder you have to eat so healthy. I'm like, no, 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 That's not what this is. What this is is my body is so adapted to healthy food, Mm -hmm. real food, clean food, that you gave me all this processed garbage Mm -hmm. and it is literally shutting down right now. Mm -hmm. So they put me in timeout with a cup of black coffee and I behaved myself the rest of the (laughs) day. I actually went almost six years without eating any fast food um, at all. Uh, I was uh, working out and very healthy and had a very good diet going. The first time I ate McDonald's after almost six years without it, it literally felt like I had poisoned myself. Mm-hmm. I immediately started sweating. Mm-hmm. Um, my chest tightened. Mm-hmm. Like, I started having anxiety. Like, it, it was like my body was like, what did you just fucking It was basically do? rejecting well, the food you yeah, put in. Saying, That's this poison. is not food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why are you feeding us modified yeah. plastic? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's really sad when you think about it. Like, when McDonald's first started, it was, you know the two brothers it was a diner i mean it was a come here we're, we're going to cook you a fresh burger we're going to make you a milkshake you know like and it was what the, the food for the working man. the 50s wasn't it when it started i mean it was that 50s yeah. 60s kind of diner yes. and you look to see what it's trickled down to it's this mass-produced well, crap it, it all has that it's a problem. yeah yeah it all uh, sacrificed so much in the name of profit and you look at the way the world eats um this is kind of funny um it's a, I think it's an interesting topic. The, the future of food. Uh, mm-hmm. Without a doubt, if we want to sustain life on this planet, we will have to switch our protein to bugs. It will have to well, be. Soil and green? Uh, I, and I, I would disagree with that for one reason, but go ahead and finish up. Um, it takes four pounds of grain mm-hmm. to make one pound of beef. It, three pounds of grain to make one pound of pork. Right. Uh, our livestock, our meat situation is not sustainable. We've already outfished the oceans. I mean, the literally at this point, it's almost beyond repair. Um, we're going to have to do something. Mm-hmm. And bugs require less uh, food. Yeah. Um, they require much less space and far less care. Uh, they don't have any diseases that uh, nearly as many diseases that can transfer to us. Um, so we don't have to spend as much on caring for them and pumping them full of uh, 
um, different things to keep them healthy. And uh, yeah, I really think that's the way, that's the way the world's headed. I mean, Asia has been there yeah. already. I mean, they eat everything. Um, Phil, Phil, the Philippines, I think, uh, I think it's something like sixty percent of their protein is bug protein. Oh wow! And there's actually a French chef, very famous French chef, that is in the me right now of New York. He's a Cordon Bleu trained chef that actually just. Uh, Served uh, for the first time ever, seventeen-year cicadas. <laughs> yes, <laughs> French really? yes, and which he, we will have he's soon. He's got this very ravishing French accent. And of course, very passionate. I it's the only way you get away with feeding and, somebody. Bugs. And he's hilarious. <laughs> I, I've never seen him. I've only ever heard him on the radio. Uh, I imagine he has a pencil thin mustache that curls at the end. I'm yeah, hope. I really hope. Yes. But he's he's very passionate, and he's like, "Oh yes, well I'm French. I eat snails." So. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can eat So, I've uh, been told more than once that uh, dubia roaches, they're an ancient roach. They're not like a house roach that you would find. They're pretty big, that uh, they actually cook up like shrimp. They're very easy to raise and cultivate. Well, shrimp are bugs. Of people. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're bugs of the ocean. Cockroaches. Now, mm-hmm. this is why I, 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 ocean spiders. I don't think we're going to go to Our insects. They're, They're the, the best. Seafood is the best. That's what, and I'm headed to the sea with this. This is this is actually I my love the sea. This is my vision. You think uh, hydro farming? Well, what what I think is going to be the future. There's a, a company called Green Wave. They're the ones that are really pioneering this, and this is what I want to do. This is where I want to retire at. They're doing 3D ocean farming. Yeah. Now I've said this a while back. We have all these oil leaks in the ocean because we're drilling deep in the ocean. When an oil leaks into the ocean, a lot of it sinks. Yeah. And it's on the bottom. Now, this deforests the ocean. Yeah. There are kelp beds in the ocean that produce more oxygen than the forest on the land. It's 70% water. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense. I mean, what, yeah. we're, what we're finding is now they decided, let's go and cultivate these kelp beds and grow this kelp about you know, half a mile or so offshore right there at the front. And then along this, they use these long ropes to, to grow the kelp on. They put baskets where they grow shellfish and oysters are in my opinion the ultimate food i love an oyster uh, clams they, I love yeah mussels. yeah uh, there's a great restaurant called the muscle burger bar mm-hmm. uh a chef in mm. that said uh, i want to do local surf and turf in kentucky how do you uh-huh. do that cool well, mussels are freshwater uh uh-huh. beef uh mm-hmm. so he oh wow sources both and uh, it's literally a list of gourmet mus- muscles, a list of gourmet burgers. And yep. when I say gourmet burger, it's a burger this tall with a big knife sticking up the top. I like it. It's amazing. Where is this at? Name uh, it. In it's called Muscle Burger Bar. Muscle Burger Bar. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, I will absolutely try this and let you know what I think because yeah. this is where my passion's at. And the, the deal with the kelp is kelp's edible. Yeah. You can eat it. But they're also finding that you can pretty quickly process that into a biofuel for a diesel. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So... There's a, just so many applications for this. It's so far ahead of Kelp its time is right now. It's used in a lot of things that we don't think about, like mm-hmm. toothpaste. Uh, iodine, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, I was going to really... say, I know I read an article. I found this very interesting. I read an article when I was really young, I think elementary school age, and it said, would you ever, like, how would you feel? I think it was one of those, like, you know, like scholastic, like the readers or whatever, like mm-hmm. it was a colorful little mm-hmm. kid's newspaper, and it was something to the effect of how would you feel if you ate green bread? And, and it was basically saying in America, if you eat green bread, it's typically moldy. moldy You're not supposed yeah. to do that. But in Japan, I want to say it was Japan, um, they eat green bread because it's not wheat. You know, like we have just flowing fields seaweed. of wheat. They have seaweed in their bread. 
And thinking about that as adults, like, I wonder how much healthier that is than, you know, the grain type of bread we eat. Because we eat by the low-carb bread, the one gram of carb or no-carb bread, um, compared to, what is it, 12 grams a slice, you know, in Mm -hmm. typical bread. And I just found that interesting. discovered um, is actually Americans are obsessed with color in their food. Yeah, I could see that. So I could see that. Caramel coloring, if you look, is added to almost absolutely everything. everything. Even everything. things like Sprite that are actually clear. Yeah. Because uh, we perceive flavor. Exactly. <laughs> so we perceive flavor based off of color, which isn't wrong when you think about it from a fruits and vegetables perspective. The Chinese do this in a very extreme way too. There's something called eating your five in China. Um, it's five flavors, five uh, colors. Um, and each color has a meaning. I used to know all the meanings at, mm-hmm. at the moment, but yeah, they they're very color based as well. They will actually dye things just to just have all five. Yeah. Oh wow! In their meal, and we do it too. We just more sneaky about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do it to uh, trick people into purchasing. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there's a great book called Villain Cognito about. Uh, it's by Tom Robbins. It's fantastic. It's a it's fiction, but it's about three Vietnam vets who decide to go MIA right at the end of Vietnam. They accidentally crash in Laos and become opium farmers. And nice. they leave society behind. And the right. whole reason, the leaders, they're very intelligent guys. They're kind of pseudo-intellectuals. And they're having this deep conversation on the way home. The war's over and they're heading home. And uh, they all stayed in this little village in Vietnam right before coming home and uh, they were like we really want to stay he's like Goldfarb the the leader he was like me too because of vine ripe and fucking tomatoes and they're like what he was like you see that sign in the grocery store you know it's a fucking lie they know it's a fucking lie mm-hmm. that tomato hasn't seen a vine in three months mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's been force ripened he's like we were actually eating and tomatoes. Oh, wow. So they turn the plane around and crash it in the <laughs> So I get super, super passionate about this because um, most of our produce that we actually get, just like you said, it is picked before it is ripe. Yep. That way in transit, yeah. it ripens. They actually which is why you're better off uh, buying ripen. frozen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they force ripen a lot of uh, like uh, green peppers uh, and... Uh, Tomatoes are two strawberries mixed are strawberries. really common. Uh, they spray them with gases that mm-hmm. actually yeah. force right. Oh wow! Um, it's uh, well, it, most of our produce is covered. In this wax. is one of the scarier yeah. things I've ever heard. Is that uh, they take a lots of times they'll take a, a herbicide and spray a crop so that it will dry up and be ready mm-hmm. to yield. And that happens here a lot. And I didn't uh, realize how common that was. The Cavendish bananas. Uh, interesting story. If you ever get a chance, there's a book about the Cavendish. I think it's just called Cavendish. We got ripped off on bananas. We did. The only banana we have is the Cavendish because it's the only one that will transport. We had another one up until the 50s, a much more flavorful banana, but a blight literally wiped it out. Is it? Yeah. It's an extinct species. But there's literally over 200 species of bananas. Yep. I did um, not know that. Yeah, and the Cavendish is probably the most lightly flavored of all of them. Um, yeah, I. Um, Jungle Gems, who I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, we got these, sm- I believe they were Colombian, don't quote me on that. They were small red bananas. What? They had about four times the sugar content of a Cavendish. They were amazing. They were like dessert. Yeah. They were absolutely nice. delicious. And uh, uh, this book, uh, I, 
I'm gonna have to look it up, but it, it is absolutely mind blowing because we think we know what banana tastes like. Mm -hmm. Like fake banana doesn't taste like the Cavendish. That's because it's based off the original banana, the right. original American banana. That's why there's a slightly different. Did you taste. know that most um, there there's some kind of connection, and I only discovered this accidentally because I do not like banana flavored things. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. So I was at a bar and they did some kind of shot and it was supposed to be some kind of bubblegum whatever shot and I'm like why am I getting so much so much banana yeah, and they I said so. that banana. exactly fake banana has a very similar flavor profile that if I tell you it's bubblegum yeah, you're going you'll to get it. that yeah and I'm like that makes sense why though. would you do that to my bubblegum yeah. don't ruin well, my bubblegum like that and let's never forget the time that Brian <laughs> bought plum sake and it was straight up banana sake banana well <laughs> banana is also that if you get a cultivated banana from your grocery store that's a that's a cutting yeah. it's been propagated uh, I do believe that the seeds are too small to reproduce on their own at this point or getting it. I have We're heard the banana to, yeah, that we have is not, it uh, is genetically modified. Pineapples too, didn't they? Because people were trying to grow their own pineapples at home, which takes like three to five years, I want to say. And so that's why most of the pineapples that you see in stores now, they actually have uh, the, the crown trimmed down to a certain point to where it will not be able to take off on its own. <gasps> really? Mm -hmm. Jerks. Right? Very uh, I actually, uh, we have an avocado tree so, mm -hmm. so for all the locals around here, an avocado tree will grow. There is one <gasps> local fruit. What is it? It's the Indiana banana. It's the uh, Indiana the pawpaw. The pawpaw. The pawpaw. The pawpaw. Brian is obsessed with these guys. Drop in the woods and go to nothing. Pawpaw it is the Indiana is banana. Amazing. It is a the Indiana banana. It's more like a, a mix between a mango and a banana, and it tastes like custard. Just fantastic. Uh, they're green. They're awesome. There's only one winery I've ever come across that mm -hmm. has a pawpaw wine. Mm. Well. I got a bunch of pawpaws to make a pawpaw pie and didn't end up The Ridge Winery in Cayuga, Indiana. Ooh. Cayuga. That's a fun one to say. Cayuga. I kind of like Tupelo. <laughs> <laughs> so I have problems with some words. Okay, it happens. Well, did they only read a word? Right. I mean, I'm a freaking mushmouth, but that's because I read all the time. Yeah. I rarely ever hear oh, people no. say these words. I read so. the word Griffin, and I guess my thoughts was to pronounce Griffin, I would spell it like G-R-I-F-F-O-N or something. This one had a Y, you know, like G-R-Y. And I was just like, Gryphon? I was like, these Gryphons. And like, I said it, and so I was like, it's actually Griffin. And I was like, well, I feel like an idiot. I was in seventh grade, but still, I, like, I feel like I should have known that. But I had never seen that word written out and like heard someone say that's a Griffin. So I was reading a book, and it had that, and I was like, Gryphon. So I had that happen <laughs> in third grade with ethereal. Because I had never heard that word said, mm -hmm. so I was only reading it. And I'm like, yeah. you know, it's very ethereal. And someone ethereal. was like, what just happened? Time out. What were you reading that in third grade you were reading something with ethereal? Because not only had I not heard of ethereal in the third grade, I'd sure as hell never read ethereal in the it's third grade. Potentially, yeah. I was reading Goosebumps. I know a certain person I really that. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. yeah. I got in trouble for reading that. Yes. Yeah, I remember that story, yeah. Yes. Um, there's a certain person that I get in trouble with every time I mispronounce medications. 
Ooh, who would that be? I just, I'm just gonna leave it out there at that. So I think I, I have. I'm probably gonna get struck. That's just point. So I think, guys, I think we're close. I think we're ready to wrap this up. I just want to kind of do a, a quick just synopsis of why we brought this episode together and what we were talking about. Uh, a lot of it was to follow up on our food episode where we really got just into a conversation about Bucket, which was so fantastic. Heck yes. It was wonderful. And uh, we wanted to talk about food instability and just where we're going. This will definitely lead to future conversations. I would like to do a whole thing on uh, 3D ocean farming and sustainable farming. My little sister, the author, is deeply into that. Uh, interestingly enough, she writes excellent things about food. And she's also, that's her uh, life's passion, is sustainable food. Uh, what's everyone else's takeaways from today? I think all of us are pretty passionate about food. Yes. We all yeah. love food. Yeah. Uh, we're all pretty we're knowledgeable all on connections to food. Mm-hmm. I'm really kind of disappointed in all this. I think, like yeah, pounds, I think the takeaway for me is, you know, we've all got some really positive memories with food, um, some positive things associated with food, but food can be your enemy. So you have to kind of be careful with that relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we will definitely follow this up some more. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in again. Get with us on the Facebook page. Tell us what you think about this. Let us know what you want to hear from us from here on out. So... To all you throwaway kids out there, thank you again. Stay spicy. Have a great day. See you guys. Later.